0: Our guest today is Will Summer. I've known Will for a while from the Daily Beast, where he is a reporter covering the Q beat, the conspiracy beat, the crazy edges of the conservative movement's more colorful and lurid and weird corners. He's got a terrific new book out now called Trust the Plan, The Rise of QAnon and the Conspiracy That Unhinged America. There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list. Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. You're the president of the United States. You can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. (laughs) I'm Rick Wilson. And this is The Enemies List. So folks, I want to do a segment now on the week that was behind us. The week that was last week was a big one for American politics and a big one for America in the world. The remarkable trip that Joe Biden took, the first president in American history to travel to a country not under the control or protection of American troops, to travel into a war zone Secretly going by train for 10 hours to Kyiv to meet with Vladimir Zelensky and the Ukrainian government to honor their strength, to honor their commitment, to restate the commitment of the United States and NATO to the defeat of Russia and the support of Ukraine was absolutely historic. It will stand as we reel back in history. Maybe it's not the same rhetorical flourish as tear down this wall, but it sent a message of absolute resolve. And it has sent the Republican Party and the MAGAs over the cliff. They're losing their damn minds about it. Joe Biden stood in Kiev while air raid sirens were going off, cool as a damn cucumber, did not give a single fuck. He was going there. He was going to support our ally. He said it as clearly as he could. We are going to be there. We're going to fight this out. The Ukrainian bravery and commitment and honor on the battlefield to protect themselves, their homeland their people, their lives, their country, was something worthwhile, but the greatest traditions of the West. And it has sent, again, the magas out of their minds. You, if you read Vladimir Putin's speech, which many of you did not, but I as a former Soviet studies guy did, not in Russian, I'm rusty, but it was a whine of butthurt angst that could have easily been on Tucker Carlson that, later that night, and it oh, kind of was. Joe Biden went then to visit with other NATO allies and Baltic allies, reinforced them. They praised him for being someone who was speaking with courage and commitment, the kind of American leader that they had missed for a very long time. He followed a historical tradition that stretches back all the way to Truman. When the Soviet Union began to lock itself down and become an expansionist and dark power in the world. The Cold War had American presidents from both parties standing strong against it. From Truman, to Ike, to Kennedy, to Johnson, to Nixon, to Ford, to Carter, to Reagan, to George Herbert Walker Bush, to Bill Clinton, to George W. Bush, to Barack Obama, to Joe Biden, there is an, well, it's not an interrupted line, is it? It's an interrupted line. Only one American president groveled before Vladimir Putin. Only one American president sat down in Helsinki and begged Vladimir Putin to be his friend and begged Vladimir Putin to be nice to him and who walked after Vladimir Putin like a dog on a leash. That was Donald Trump. Joe Biden restored the long arc of American strength in the face of oppression, autocracy, and illegal war. It was a weak, was defined by that moment, defined by that visit. And if Joe Biden dropped dead tomorrow, that would be a point of pride and honor and a definitional moment in his history as an American president. The other story that was rocking the week was, of course, the train derailment in Palestine, Ohio, which um, is become a major talking point on the far right that's going to continue to be a talking point on the far right. They're describing Ohio. The entire state is now Chernobyl. It's a nuclear wasteland. It's a chemical spill that has killed a jillion people. It's bad. It's terrible. The Biden administration is acting quickly. They're on the ground. The EPA has taken over the cleanup and the site remediation. But let's never forget, the regulations that would have put brakes on that train that would have prevented this accident were repealed by Donald Trump, repealed by Elaine Chao, when she was serving as Donald Trump's Secretary of Transportation. Let's not fool around here. This is a line you can trace right back to Trump. He tweeted about it. He literally tweeted about rolling back railroad safety regulations in 2018. So that's another story you're going to see a lot more of, I think. It's going to drag out. The Republicans are trying to turn this into a moment where they define Joe Biden, make him lose Ohio. Listen, guys, Ohio's a red state. You know, jerk yourselves off. Do your, do your worst. So... That's the week that was behind us, and there's a whole week of chaos ahead of us, so here we go. Will, I am so glad you could join us today on the Enemies List. Thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, tell us first off, tell us how you fell into the cue hole and started covering this amazing, fucked up, bizarro world. Uh, conspiracy that has seemingly eaten the Republican Party, or at least a meaningful part of it.
1: So I came from this conservative background in Texas, and I just consumed so much conservative media. You know, if you think about like the G.W. Bush administration, like Mm -hmm. Bill O'Reilly, talk radio, Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, um, Exactly, exactly. And I just like inhaled this stuff and you know, I, I you know, I went to college, I no longer was a young Republican. Um but I still loved these characters and this was mm-hmm. the rise of people like Ben Shapiro and Milo <laughs> Yiannopoulos. Um, and then the, I know, I know. <laughs> and and I would go to parties and um you know, people would say, Oh, you heard of this Ben Shapiro guy? And I'd be like, Oh, man, you got no idea. Um, And then Mm. basically, my wife said, Why don't you instead of telling me about these people every night? Why don't you write about them? And so I I started uh, writing about them. And uh, then I kind of the biggest thing uh, in 2018 was QAnon. And I said, I got to figure out what the deal is. And sort of that that began my sort of twisted journey.
0: So Will, the QAnon hole has obsessed a lot of us in the political and the media space for the last few years. But a lot of Americans still don't really know what crazy shit these people actually seem to believe. Can you tell us, tell our audience, again, for the normies out there, tell our audience what the QAnon people think is happening, what they believe, how how this worldview uh, works inside of their their universe? Sure. So the sort of the
1: the quick story, explanation of what QAnon people think is that the world has been controlled for thousands of years by a cabal that worships Satan, that they murder children in satanic rituals and drink their blood to stay young. Now, (laughs) (laughs) bear with me here. So, this is just and the the people in this cabal, they run the Democratic Party, they run Hollywood, they run banking, they run everything. Um, And then, in 2015, the military recruits Donald Trump to run for president and that we're gonna, they're gonna, once he's president, they're gonna take on this cabal and there's going to be this climactic moment called the storm in which everyone from tom hanks to barack obama is
0: The arrested storm is coming
1: <laughs> exactly exactly oh i see you're you're uh, you're you're in the queue um so the uh <laughs> and then you know we'll just live in a sort of utopia under a trump dictatorship and they get these clues from this guy online named q who sort of lays out these little breadcrumbs um, and that's how they created their worldview.
0: I think that's right, and and I think, I think this idea, this this idea of, of conspiracy theories is something that makes people who are not highly educated or or highly attentive to news. It gives them that sense of coherence. It gives them that sense of oh, I understand the secret information behind all this. I don't have to really study this. I can just know that there is something dark and wicked out there. Now. As you started writing about QAnon, I guess you have to divide it into two things. There's always been the abiding mystery of who QAnon is, Jim Watkins, and and the craziness from that side, but also like the culture that grew up around it. Because even as everyone knew that this was total horseshit, I mean, like every single person, and I'm a former holder of a whole bunch of security clearances, and I never had a Q clearance because it had to do with nuclear stuff. It wasn't human intelligence. It wasn't some senior highly placed NSA or DOD or CIA official. It was just, it was like what somebody who had read too many Tom Clancy novels in the 80s and 90s thought was, was going to sound convincing, not what an actual person who'd been around the defense or the intelligence world would think. So it was always like a patent pack of shit on the one hand, but Tell us why these people became so attached to it. I mean, they became so passionate about it. Sure. So, I mean, in terms of
1: why people get into QAnon, I I think it's fascinating. And and there's all these different things that bring people to it. And so these clues start in October 2017, and they promise that Hillary Clinton's going to be arrested by the end of the month. But when she isn't arrested, they say well, maybe, you know, she got like a bulge in her pants, leg. maybe that's an ankle monitor, or maybe this is clone Hillary that we see on her book tour. And real Hillary is is in, you know, a Guantanamo Bay military prison. So the the cognitive dissonance to me is so fascinating how people, you know, cues predictions keep failing to come true. And they say, yeah, maybe, you know, it's got to be real, though. And they kind of dig and dig and dig. And I think, the bigger reason people get into it is it's just so much fun. I think it gets them, it turns you into, they call themselves digital soldiers. Like it gives our kind of typically banal lives. Like you're a crusader, you're saving children, you're fighting the devil himself and you're doing it with your pal, Donald Trump.
0: Uh, And so, you know, (laughs) I, I, I think it's, you know, it's like a video game in real life. Right. I'm not a, I'm not a guy waiting on my disability check in ass crack, Arkansas. I'm a cyber soldier for freedom to save the children. Exactly. And you know, some of them, it, you
1: know, it's these guys who, you know, I, I hesitate to say this, but frankly, are losers. And then they just get extra good at making QAnon YouTube videos and suddenly they have hundreds of thousands of fans who adore them.
0: Right. I mean, and there were people who were monetizing this at a level that shocked me for a while. Like praying medic and all those weirdos. They were they were out there, you know, selling merch and and running YouTube advertising and everything else. And it it seems like that bubble. Obviously, kind of popped as as Q went dark. Now, tell us about tell us about how that arc went from Q and on in the campaign, and 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 I believe from the beginning that at some point either Scavino or Flynn was in contact with one of the Watkinses, and and they played this out a little bit. They 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 made this thing happen. I don't have any evidence of that, but I just know how these scumbags work. Then Trump sort of was nodding and winking at it during the twenty twenty campaign, right?
1: Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, QAnon, it goes from the... the, All they want is Trump to say it's real because, you know, everyone in their lives is saying you're wrong. You're a dummy for these QAnon believers. And they're saying if Trump would just say it's real. And so, you know, they have all these schemes. Oh, how can we trick Trump? Or What are all these codes? Um, and then in 2020, he starts getting asked by the press about QAnon because they're starting to murder people and things like this. And he says,
0: right. you oh, know, oh, that. <laughs> yeah, right. And I they, hate when my conspiracy theory becomes a murder cult.
1: Exactly. And so they say, um, you know, the, someone in the briefing room says, well, you know, they think you're after all these democratic pedophiles and you're going to, you know, purge the world and all this. And he says... Well, what would be wrong with that? You know, I frankly think it's great. And maybe they're on to right. something. And so he sort of sees them as this, you know, super fan base that he's more than willing to kind of wink at and nod at. And cut to now, and he's on true social, just pi- posting pictures of himself with a Q pin and saying the storm is mm-hmm. coming. I mean, so really, I think, I don't know if it's, he's revving up to kind of start accusing Ron DeSantis of being a pedophile, which he's already kind of wading into. But I mean, he's really embracing them.
0: Well, I mean, and look, uh, this is... This is the thing that's at the core of QAnon is that it's like the horrifyingly unanswerable, terrible thing of you're a pedophile. And, and if you say, I'm not, they go, oh, it's proof that he is. Or, you know, it's proof that he's with Hillary Clinton in the basement of a pizza restaurant, eating children and drinking adrenochrome, which, by the way, folks, I recommend adrenochrome. The drink for the ages, sparkling, clear, fresh, and it restores a sense of youthful energy. <laughs> <laughs> Folks are 95 how years how old and so, have you die of adrenochrome every day. <laughs> oh, God. They're going to lose their goddamn minds. So so we talked a little bit about the, the cult of QAnon, <laughs> like the, how the people got sunk into it. it. Made them feel smart. Made them feel connected. Made them feel like they were with Donald Trump in this big apocalyptic fight. But as 2020 wound down and we got closer and closer and closer to the fact that Trump had lost, that they couldn't bullshit their way out of it. And, and, and that the inauguration of Joe Biden was coming up. When did Q disappear? Why did you think he disappeared? And what was it that that moment of, of suddenly vanishing did to the QAnon culture? Sure. So, so Q,
1: and and you know, you, you nodded at this earlier, but you know, I, I think the best argument for who's behind Q is Ron and Jim sure. Watkins, uh, this this brother and son uh, in the, or excuse me, this father and son in the Philippines um, who run this website Eight Chan, where where Q posts, and so this is all in the HBO documentary mm-hmm. Q into the Storm, which kind of lays it out. Um, but Q, Q stops posting in December of 2020, so after mm-hmm. Trump loses the mm-hmm. election, and seemingly. If I were in Q's shoes, perhaps was concerned about uh, incitement to try to overturn the election, that there might be a federal investigation into Q's identity at that point. And so kind of goes, uh, well, you know, good job, everybody. We did it. And what was really striking to me is after January 6th, then Ron Watkins. You know, suddenly really the heat's on after January mm-hmm. 6th Then Q says, or excuse me, Ron Watkins says, uh, wow, sort of what a wonderful journey we've had time to hang it up, folks, you know, <laughs> yep. as all of these QAnon believers are about to get indictments and everything. Um And so what happened really is that QAnon kept going, but just under the leadership of these different promoters and people like Michael Flynn or Sidney Powell, who sort of took on these QAnon-like roles of saying, oh, you'll never believe what we've seen. You know, it's really, oh, and they would say, oh, Sidney, tell us the real truth, you know, at these QAnon conventions. Um, And then, you know, they start raking in the bucks as well. I mean, Michael Flynn was auctioning off like Q quilts and I would see him at the, at these conferences, just glad handing. Um, Mm -hmm. and so Q has kind of popped back in, in and out. Um, but that is, that's kind of where it stands. And I think, you know, potentially in 2024, especially if Trump keeps talking about QAnon, I think we might see a resurgence.
0: Right now. The Watkins, the Watkins father and son team, again, the HBO documentary about, about them is fascinating and weird and creepy at so many different levels. Um, apparently there's a pretty straight line back to the younger Watkins on this thing as the, as the person sort of engineering a lot of it. Does it even matter to these folks that believe this? No. Do they they even like, no matter what you lay out in front of them, does it even matter if they know it's all bullshit or they're told it's bullshit and they're shown the evidence or does it just, is it so hermetic in their minds now that they just can't, they can't walk away from it?
1: I mean, I think for the average QAnon believer, they're so deep in it that you know, even if someone conclusively proved that they were Q and said, "Look, it's fake," um, you know, et cetera, they they are still into it. In some ways,
0: though, don't you think like the the Republican Party, like the mainstream of the MAGA party, even if they're not like overt QAnon believers, doesn't this sort of whole conspiracy mindset seem to have infected the entire GOP? Everything's a conspiracy against them. Everything's a liberal cabal. Everything's a a dark set of secrets about whether it's about stuff that Q talked about or not. It seems to me that it's so deeply interjected into all their mental processes that it's almost impossible for them to think of anything as a straight line political or or logical calculus anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right on, Rick. I mean, I think the QAnon played a big role in mainstreaming in the GOP this conspiratorial mindset where even if you aren't like looking for your QAnon clues or whatever, that it's just become normal to say like all elections the republicans don't win are stolen um or anything that happens in the news there's a there's right. a hidden hand behind it so for example um w- we've had a couple things in the news recently the the chinese balloons and the uh the train derailment and mm-hmm. so you have marjorie taylor green a diehard QAnon fan come out and say "Well, the balloons are just a distraction from the derailment and then you think well to what end you know you all you, you don't have to say what you mean it's just you know
0: like the ones they launched three years ago were to distract from a derailment in 2023. Exactly, exactly.
1: Cool. And people say, you know, <laughs> in, in a way, I, I feel like it's become cool to be, to say, oh, you don't believe that, you know, what, what the media is saying or what the obvious truth is. You have to be sort of, you have to be, you know, a, a little skeptical and say, you know, I, I think there's a there's a cabal or an unnamed them behind everything. And I, I think both Donald Trump and QAnon really played
0: into that. As a listener to this podcast, you know democracy is in danger in America and beyond. This titanic challenge requires a powerful response, and that's why Resolute Square was founded. The Enemies List is part of the Resolute Square family. We're a pro democracy network. The Enemies List is just one part of Resolute Square's pro democracy content and coverage. Our members get particularly exciting benefits exclusive live roundtable discussions with me, Joe Trippi, Reed Galen, Stuart Stevens, and Tara Settmaier. In those discussions, you can ask us questions directly as if you are in the room at a campaign strategy session. In these sessions, we'll give folks answers on how to fight back against the crazy, how to push back against the MAGA media, and how to communicate effectively in the battle for our democracy. We're building a new arsenal for democracy, and we could use your support. Head over to ResoluteSquare.com slash enemies to let the world know where you stand. Everybody's got a morning ritual. I know I do. And I want to feel like I'm getting my day going. I want to feel like I'm moving. And more than coffee sometimes, it's making sure you're clean, squared away, put together. You can get your day started by upping your shave game with Harry's sleekest razor yet, the craft handle. I like to use it because I've got to shave this giant dome of mine every day. So i got to keep it shiny. I have a beard, but I keep my neck clean front and back, do all the miscellaneous trimming. And the new craft handle, it actually is a lot more precision, at least that I found, with the new grip. I really like it a lot. You'll be getting quality shaving for a really amazing price. For now, they're offering the Craft Handle Starter Set for 10 bucks. It's a $17 value. So this is something you really should try. And if you don't like it, it's on them, guys. They stand behind the product. They guarantee it. How can you get a hold of the Craft Handle, the latest, greatest from Harry's? It's simple. Get it delivered to your door for 10 bucks at com slash enemies list. That's com slash enemies list. I, I think the unnamed them, you know, and obviously inside QAnon, there were always, there were a lot of tropes that that go back to the classic you know, sort of anti-Semitic, globalist, you know, rootless cosmopolitan elites are all trying to eat the children. I mean, and and, and the, the consuming children is a straight line back to the blood libel. How much of it do you think, I mean, I, I never saw that Q was overtly anti-Semitic, like the Jews are to blame, but it certainly, like- was anti-Semitism adjacent a lot of the time.
1: Well, it's funny you say that, Rick. It's actually, there's a QAnon slogan, uh, I believe goes, we're saving Israel for last, which is really like, don't worry. (laughs) No, Israel, we're going, we're getting them. (laughs) Uh, and so, so yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so, so, but, but as you say, I mean, on the surface level, QAnon does pitch itself as a sort of multiracial multi-ethnic mm-hmm. uh, it's this like sort of a, we're a colorblind coalition saving America. Um, but, but once you dig uh, just like maybe a half level lower, you you say, Oh, huh. Okay. So like the big villain here is George Soros. And it's all these other Jewish guys. Mm-hmm. And, and you say that they're, you know, Sexually terrorizing children and drinking their blood to stay young. And as you say, I mean, this obviously for the book, I researched the blood libel going back to the Middle Ages when, you know, children were being, you know, sure. in this idea were being murdered to create Passover bread. And so mm-hmm. the QAnon has it's such a big movement and it's so vague in the clues that it sort of picks up these things like, like it's just a giant ball. And one of them is the blood libel that sort of then becomes really central to the, because you, the question of QAnon, I think is the cabal, like, why is this cabal doing this stuff? Like why, why do they love controlling the world so much? And the answer is fundamentally, because they have to get this, this adrenochrome, they have to drink this blood.
0: Soros brand adrenochrome, the adrenochrome of the elites. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to get in so much trouble. So the, the decline of QAnon as a thing that's pumping a consistent set of messages into this conspiratorial mindset, in part, is less relevant because a lot of uh, of leaders now, speak, you know, speaking of Ron DeSantis, he's always talking about there's a woke mob out there. There's a woke movement. It's these secretive influencers who are trying to turn your kids into... Trans Tifa and and gay Sharia marriage advocate. I mean, all this all this craziness has it it's now seeping in. These people were kind of conditioned by this. Do you look at Q as kind of a really critical moment in the sort of social and political conditioning of a big part of the American electorate?
1: QAnon, I think, played a huge role in helping to mainstream this insult of this idea that like, you know, there's a there's a, a group out to get kids. And now we're seeing this play out in Ron DeSantis's crusade against, you know, groomer corporations or teachers or this idea that, you know, there's a sinister cabal that's just changing children's genders. Um, and, and I think particular this this idea that there's, there's a groomer mm. conspiracy really would not exist without QAnon mainstreaming. Um, and making and normalizing that just calling your opponent a pedophile as just sort of a matter of course. I mean, we saw Katanji Brown Jackson's Supreme Court hearing right. where they would they were just like, Well, are, are you it seems like you're you're kind of in league with the pedophiles, right? Which is just such a sort of crazy thing to say.
0: But I think QAnon made it normal. Well, and and as QAnon declined, it still seems to have kept a certain edge case uh user as the sort of center of the the activist Q community. And some of those people have been pretty violent and i think that's partly because of the not insignificant venn diagram where mental illness and conspiracy theories overlap but some of the followers of qanon have have engaged in some pretty heinous and violent acts in the last few years haven't they
1: yeah, I mean, the book is, is I, I think, chock full of sort of interesting details about this. I mean, there was a QAnon believer who killed the head of a mafia family uh, because he thought he would take him to the, you know, the the deep state tri- or the Guantanamo Bay Tribunal, essentially. Um, there was a there have been at least two instances of QAnon believers allegedly uh, murdering their, their own families, right. um, including including a guy who took his kids to Mexico and, you know, has now been charged with murdering them. Right. Uh, the. And then, sort of in the in the book, I really get into this group of people who were focused on kidnapping children um, from foster care. Children, their mothers had lost custody and become convinced that the cabal had kidnapped them, um, and then, so they were stocking up guns to attack a foster home. And so they become fugitives. It's a whole thing, and ultimately, that group also climaxes in a murder.
0: Christ Almighty! And and the, the, of course, the guy who who attacked Comet Pizza right in the beginning of QAnon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And one other thing I wanted to, to, to bring up. There were an awful lot of more, and I say this advisedly, more slightly more mainstream right wing alt right and Republican activists, uh, Jack Posobiec, Mike Cernovich, Gateway pundit, the Hoft brothers of Gateway pundit, that sort of like gave this thing legitimacy uh, in the in the rest of the Republican culture, didn't they?
1: Yeah, certainly in the case of Pizzagate, those, I mean, I, I know Cernovich and, and Pasobik were, you know, in many ways made their names off of promoting Pizzagate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they say, oh man, how unfair. You know, everyone says I'm the Pizzagate guy. You know, well. Oh yeah, you know, Jack yeah. Pasobik
0: will block <laughs> you if you say he was involved in Pizzagate.
1: <laughs> I mean, this, that's a guy who literally went to Comet
0: Ping Pong live streaming it, like, okay, I'm going to check out the Child Dungeon. You know, check it out, folks. So th- as those people mainstream this and as. The consequences of the, the the violent acts that QAnon inspired and the crazy shit that QAnon inspired. I mean, I look at QAnon in part as being responsible for a lot of uh, how the current anti-vaccination mania has, has come to really hurt millions of Americans who are convinced that it's the cabal's 5G DNA altering slave drug or whatever it is instead of uh, an antiviral medication. Um, how, how much is QAnon involved in the whole in the whole anti-vax and, and and these edge case things that keep popping into our culture? I think more and more frequently.
1: Oh, I, I think QAnon has been huge for recruiting people to become to refuse vaccines, uh, and then at the same time, I think anti-vaccine stuff has really driven people into QAnon. Um, the The oh, pandemic yeah. w- was really huge for QAnon recruitment mm-hmm. because it was a moment where the world really was going crazy, and people wanted explanations that were easy to stomach, and the the idea that not just oh well something happened in China and then you know it traveled over here and all this stuff. Or you can just say, there's a cabal, it's George Soros' fault, it's Bill Gates' fault. I, I think was very appealing, <laughs> right. especially everyone had a lot of time at home on the computer. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the beauty of QAnon is that it, it gives you an explanation for everything. It says, you know... Well, you know, I think the average person or rational person can look at the vaccine stuff and say, well, like, why would the government and Pfizer and all these people conspire to poison me? This doesn't make sense. But then you can say, well, it's actually part of the cabal and they have this thing called the Great Reset where they want to enslave humanity. And once you buy into that, you can really buy into anything.
0: Right. And again, once you get to the Great Reset, you get to Klaus Schwab and you get to the World Economic Forum and you get to Davos and you get back to Soros. And of course, underneath it all, peel back the curtain one more time and there's the old anti-Semitic tropes again. It's the mysterious gnomes of Zurich and all the, again, the rootless cosmopolitans forcing you into, into slavery and making you eat bugs and all these other conspiracies. But mm-hmm. so with the, with the return of Donald Trump, the inevitable return of Donald Trump, how long do you think it's going to be before you see these guys like like the Watkinses or someone like them remonetize this, reboot this, and and what role do you think QAnon is going to play in the twenty twenty four election?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't think it, it's going to be that long until, I mean, QAnon has really been going strong. It's just a little less visible because there was there were social media crackdowns, Sure, and Q told everyone to stop identifying as QAnon believers publicly. Oh, I, I, did I, know, be, I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah, right, right <clears throat> before Q went dark, he said, hey, um, you know, it's a little, it, it, essentially, we're getting banned everywhere, and people are making fun of us, so, so better instead to, to talk more vaguely about pedophiles and how evil Democrats are. And that's what we see now, is that a lot of this stuff Stuff has gone underground, right, um, But right. I think it's going to it's going to re- surge back, especially if, as we're seeing, Donald Trump is willing to play ball with them at sort of like a, a never before seen level. If he's willing to post the more QAnon memes and, you know, maybe say we where we go on, we go all in a speech or something like that. I mean, you know, <laughs> he played a QAnon song at a rally a couple yep, times, you know, I heard that. And so I, heard, I, heard I mean, that. it. And even you know, a few years ago, in kind of the in 2019, maybe when QAnon was getting big, if you had said to me Donald Trump is going to be posting QAnon memes and stuff, I, I never would have believed it. And so I, I think really, it's,
0: there's a decent chance this only gets. That big. is something I am both not looking forward to and looking forward to because it is a hell of a spectacle. And Will, you've been a great anthropologist of this, and not only you know in this book, but in the columns you've written about this because you have really had you have really taken a hugely deep dive into this world, and so. I always have to like mentally check myself when I'm when I'm diving into these things because there are times you just like this is so dark I can't I can't even imagine what's what's okay. wrong how fucked up these people have to be to believe this how hard is it sometimes I mean psychologically how do you how, how do you deal with like the constant sense of like oh my god these people believe what <laughs> and it must the the darkness must weigh on you sometimes man.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, and certainly, you know, the when I talk to people, either, you know, people who are in QAnon or people who have lost family members to QAnon or, you know, when I'm writing about, uh, you know, some QAnon guy murdering people. uh, Yeah, I mean, it it, it gets heavy. I think um, at the same time, there's a lot of humor uh, unintentionally to QAnon. I mean, it is it is so weird. Like, for example. They believe that anyone who wears red shoes is a is a Satanist. And so they have pictures of, you know, Bill Maher, various celebrities wearing red shoes. And they're like, look at this sicko. I mean, sometimes you have to laugh, you know, or anyone eating pizza is a pedophile. They of course, the most common food naturally. in the country. Um, and so, yeah, I try to keep a sense of humor about it. And I, uh, you know, I try to get offline when I can, although, you know, this stuff is just so fascinating. It's hard for me
0: to look away. Well, well, I wish you all the best on the uh, on the book. Uh, folks, the book is Trust the Plan by Will Summer, The Rise of QAnon and the Conspiracy that Unhinged America. Will is also the host of the Daily Beasts outstanding Fever Dreams podcast which I really recommend. I'm a listener. Uh, I love it. They dive deep into not only the QAnon stuff, but a lot of the uh, of the of the weirdnesses and foibles and spats and little catfights inside the the far right and the alt right and the MAGA right media and political space and influencer space. When you guys go into like the, the episode you did recently did on how the Twitter spaces were like the airing of the grievances for all the MAGA guys killed me. Oh my God. It was, it was just like, of course, um, yeah, as they say, the, the, the fights are so bitter because the stakes are so low, but, um, <laughs> but again, well, best of luck on the book. Thank you so much for coming on the enemies list today. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. I hope. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Anytime. Today's entry on the enemies list is returning fan favorite, Marjorie Taylor, three-toed slothful woman, Green. Marjorie Taylor Green, as you all know, as you're well aware by now, is a repugnant, repellent, shit-tier human being of the worst order. Marjorie Taylor Green is the kind of person that if you, if she were on your doorstep, you would hose her off before letting her in your house. She is a terrorist. She is a person who is powerfully believes in the current iteration of MAGA. Putin is good. America is bad. Biden is evil. Trump is God. She is now out saying that she wants a national divorce, a secession. She wants the red states to split off from the blue states. You know, there is a part of me, just a part of me, that's like, okay, fuck you. Do it. Do it. Go first. Go first. When the federal government says, yeah, well, sorry, you're a different country now. Sorry. There's no constitutional provision for that. You know, so yeah, those Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security checks, we got those. Thanks, we'll hold onto those for our people. Um, this idea has a certain cadence and appeal on the far right. And they believe that it will evolve, devolve into Civil War 2.0 and we've got the guns and you don't. Well, you know what? This is a country that is a, deeply flawed place and the federal government has a million flaws but the idea that you've reached the point where it justifies a secession is ludicrous it's risible and she at some level knows it she's playing a game with you guys she's trolling america but you know i'm not going to i'm not going to let her play that game right now she knows what's going on. She knows what she's going to encourage. She knows that eventually the stochastic violence that defines the MAGA movement will increase. They will find justification in it. They will see her as a leader of that secession. They will feel justified in taking actions that begin as online trolling and bullshit and escalate to violence. So if Marge wants to do her Fort Sumter moment, I would hope that in the future after that civil war, as it inevitably transpires to the loss of of her idea of a MAGA confederacy. I would hope that a a future Lincoln is less merciful than Abraham was because these people are playing with fire. They know it, we know it, and it's time to hold them to account. So Marge, I know that you would just absolutely never do anything sensible enough to get off the enemy's list. So telling you to get your shit together is really probably past the point. But if you could show a little bit of moral flexibility in the same way you showed flexibility with your tantric CrossFit guru, America might be a little better off. Get your shit together. Thanks again for listening to The Enemies List. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at TheRickWilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list.